When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a hardcore Star Trek fan, I am very excited and very honored to do a chapter-by-chapter reading of one of my favorite last episodes of any series. All Good Things, Star Trek The Next Generation's All Good Things. All Good Things must come to an end. It's one of the best, one of the best, uh, probably the best final episode of any Star Trek series. Um, It's got Q in it, obviously. You need Q in any situation. Uh, Q just made the series better. That's one of the reasons I love TNG the most. John Delancey, Q. So, in honor of one of my favorite last episodes and one of my fa- basically my favorite television series of all time, I'm here to read the novelization, Star Trek: The Next Generation. All good things. A novel by Michael Jan Friedman, based on All Good Things. Written by Ronald D. Moore and Brannon Braga. Here goes nothing. Now, this is a live reading, so there will be errors. It's not going to be perfect, but it's here for your pleasure. I just realized I didn't really do much on this one. Hold on. Oh, hell, I'll edit it later. It's not a big deal. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) I'll edit the information later. Star Trek The Next Generation. All good things. Chapter 1. He hated Valiaka music. Hated it with a passion. However, he would put up with it just this once. And not because he had to. He would put up with it specifically because he didn't have to. As he sat at his solitary table on a candlelit balcony overlooking the beach, sipping at his vodka and pushing a pit, a pitted olive around his plate, a woman emerged from the dining room within. By local standards, she was quite beautiful, with alabaster skin and pale blonde hair woven into a bun. She wore a safari outfit, Though she had probably never been on a safari in her theoretical life. The nights are beautiful here, she said. He shrugged. I suppose, if you like that sort of thing. She gazed at him from under long, straw-colored lashes. Don't you? Don't you? I guess I don't have much of an opinion, he admitted. How strange, she said. An attractive man like yourself alone on a night like this usually has an opinion, usually has opinions about a great many things. He smiled at her. If I'm not mistaken, you came into this place with such a man. I'll bet he's wondering where you are even where you are, even as we speak. She moved, and the moonlight glinted off her hair. Perhaps he is. 
and he certainly does have his share of opinions. It's just that I'm a little tired of them. I see, he told her. And now you'd prefer to hear some of mine? You're a very clever man, she observed. You catch on quickly. Yes, he agreed, I do. And for just a moment there, you were almost interesting. But, he smiled politely, I think that moment has passed. The woman's eyes went wide. How dare you? She gasped. How dare you? <laughs> uh, she gasped. For a moment, she seemed on the verge of slapping him in the face. But in the end, she decided not to and simply disappeared back into the dining room. Oh well, he told himself. I guess that's the way the flaxen-haired tourist bounces. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw two figures hopping around down below. Removing their shoes, he... Removing their shoes, he gathered. As he watched, they slipped away from the mellow, orange circle of, the, of light that emanated from the tavern. One was male, one female. One broad-shouldered and big-boned, and the other comparatively slender. He knew them, of course. Knew them quite well, in fact. They were both barefoot as they made their way along the margin of the sea, leaving wet footprints in the sand from time to time. One of them would reach for the other's hand, then let it go again. It's it was obvious that they were still in the courting stage, feeling each other out, uncertain of how far to take this evening without overstepping some unstated boundary. Such a waste of time. If they wanted to procreate, if they wanted to procreate, why not do so? Why this elaborate and confusing ritual when they could be spending their time on more valuable pursuits? on the improvement of their backwards race, for example. But no, not them. All they, could think, all they could think of was their own petty concerns. He shivered at the insanity of it. The sheer, unmitigated ego, the subject on which he was quite the expert. The breeze ruffled the stars in the clear night sky bringing him the primitive scent of the prize-winning goulash cooking in the kitchen below. It would have made his mouth water if his mouth had had the propensity to do such things. Of course, it didn't. But then, he wasn't really here to soak up the scenery. Or the local vodka, for that matter. He was making his plans, weaving his web like a big, fat black spider strand by dangerous strand <clears throat> and the best part was they had no idea what was coming no idea how it how it would affect their puny lives or what role he would play in it they didn't even know he was here in their holodex fantasy in their holodeck fantasy or they would have put their shoes back on and railed at him to leave them alone. Humans liked their privacy. They liked it a lot. And even 
even if these were even if these two weren't completely human, they still shared that particular trait. Still, he remained a part of the scenery and tolerated the Valiaca music. Soon enough, he consoled himself. He consoled himself. They'd be dancing to his tune. And not just the two faint-hearted lovers on the beach, but the whole caboodle of them. A, water em a waiter emerged from the dining room. May I get you something more? The man asked in his 20th century Russian dialect. Some dessert, perhaps? We have a lovely fruit. He looked up at the waiter. No, thank you. He replied in the same dialect. I'll be leaving in a moment. Places to go, things to do. Starfleet officers to torment. You know how it is. The waiter didn't, of course, so he just smiled. If you are leaving, the man suggested, may I bring you your bill? He nodded. Why not? We've all got to pay the piper sometime, don't we? He frowned as the music swelled to even more infuriating levels. Or, in this case, the damned Baliaka player. According to the ship's computer, the Eskimos of North American, North American continent had 16 words for snow. In that light, it had always seemed strange to Worf that his own people, the Klingons, should have but one word for honor. The word was Alf, B-A-T-L-H is spelling. And for all its simplicity, it was forced to cover a wide variety of situations. For instance, there was a sense of honor that, accom accompanied, a <laughs> that accompanied a promise kept or a job well done. There was the standard of honor that encouraged warriors to die bravely. And there was the principle of honor that presided over a government or a ship or even a marriage bed when all parties dealt openly and fairly with one another. It was the last sort. It was the last sort that occupied Worf's mind as he escorted Deanna Troy from one of the Enterprise's holodecks. For as much as he enjoyed her company, it did not come without its share of inconveniences. That was an incredible. Pro that was an incredible program," said Deanna. Smiling as she looked up at him, the Klingon nodded. I'm glad you approve. I have always, <laughs> I have always found the Black Sea at night to be a most stimulating experience. Sorry about my wharf <laughs> impressions. His companion rolled her eyes at him <laughs> as they walked down the stark metallic corridor. He want, he wondered what he had said to occasion such a reaction. Worf, she moaned. We were strolling barefoot along the beach, while Balaka music played in the air, a sea breeze watching over us, stars in the sky, a full moon rising, and the most you can say is stimulating? He groped for a more appropriate response. It was very stimulating. Extremely stimulating. Deanna shook her head in mock, in mock disapproval as they approached the turbolift. Honestly, Worf, if you weren't so 
such a delightful companion. Entering the lift, she instructed it to take them to deck eight. As the doors closed, the Klingon looked at her. She looked back, and unable to keep himself... And, and unable to keep himself... Sorry, and unable to help himself, he looked away. Strange, wasn't it? He would rather face a room full of Romulans than speak of certain personal concerns, even with someone like Deanna, who was bound to understand them. Hell's blasted battleground. If she didn't, who would? The truth is... The truth is, said the Betazoid, obviously changing the subject for his benefit, I don't spend nearly enough time in the holodeck. I should take my own advice and use them to relax. Worf thought about his holodeck calisthenics program. Most times, he confessed. I use them for other things besides relaxing. Deanna chuckled softly. Yes, she said, I've heard. As the doors opened, depositing them on deck eight, they stepped out. The entrance to her quarters was just opposite the lift. Next time, she went on, I'll choose the program, if you'd like the Black Sea. If you like the Black Sea, you're going to love Lake Kateria on Beta Z, especially the Aurora. The way it folds and twists and changes from blue to violet to a sullen orange and the scents that come out of the forest that surrounds the lake. You'd really enjoy it. For a moment they stood outside her suite. Their eyes met and established a bond. Worf basked in the scent of her, in her warmth, in her beauty. He felt his discomfort slip away and decided this was a good time as any to mention his misgivings. Deanna, he began, perhaps there is a next time. Perhaps before there is a next time. We should discuss Commander Riker. She grinned playfully. Why? Will he be coming along? Worf frowned. This was a serious matter, and she didn't seem inclined to make it any easier for him. No, but I do... But I do not wish to... I mean... It would be unfortunate if he... He took a breath, started again. If you and I are going to continue to... To... He gave up. Do not want to... Do not want to hurt his feelings. Deanna took his hands in hers. Worf, I think it's all right to concentrate on our feelings. Yours and mine. Her smile was contagious. Gazing into his eyes, reassured, he began to forget about Commander Riker and everything else in, in the world. As he leaned over to kiss her, she lifted her lips to his, but before they could touch, the turbo lift doors opened with a hiss, and the captain burst out, <laughs> burst out of them. Worf stared in disbelief. Not only was Picard uncharacteristically wide-eyed with panic, he was wearing nothing but a blue and white striped bathrobe. Counselor, cried the captain, coming between her and Worf, apparently oblivious of what he had just interrupted. Picard gripped Deanna by her arms. What's, today? <laughs> What's today's date? The date, he demanded. Stardate 
88, the Klingon said, interjecting the answer. Letting go of the Betazoid, Picard turned away from them and molded over. He seemed to be having enormous difficulty considering the simplicity of the concept. 478. 47988, the captain. 47. 47988, the captain echoed. Deanna looked at him. Sir, what is wrong? Picard's brow furrowed. I'm not sure, he told her. I don't know. Well, why? But he shook his head. I believe I'm moving back and forth through time. A chill ran up along Worf's spine. His relationship with Deanna would have to resume its progress some other time. It was clear what honor demanded of him. Looking up at the intercom grid, he called on Commander Riker. That's a, you know, I honestly, okay, so I'm excited I uh, ended up getting this. I, I bought this used at, uh, I can't remember where I bought it, to be honest. I got it somewhere, though. I remember it was at like, Goodwill or one of the Salvation Armies, but I love buying used books, and that is incredible. That's a hell of a novelization for the first chapter, but it's going to be uh, pretty interesting because a novelization of one of the best episodes ever, I am very curious, and um, I, my voice acting is not very good, but it was fun to pretend like I was Worf, like, very stimulating. You're a Patak. You have no honor. You have no honor. No, but anyway... Now, it's really fun to do these. I can't wait to do chapter two. I don't know if we'll do it tonight. I'm a little tired. I'm a little spent. But 